Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. The way that we find motivated sellers. Now that's a kind of a loaded question because there's so many ways. Like this, I could talk, I, I have talked, I have given presentations for over an hour on how to find motivated sellers. You know, I probably could have gone two or three hours easily. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I'm excited to bring you another live Q&A. It's not live. It's a replay of a live, but you know, you get it. It, it was live uh, and it was a good one. Uh, I am back from Mexico and I talk about that a little bit in the beginning to kind of let you guys know what I was up to. And then we answered a bunch of questions and among them, uh, somebody who tried to slip a real bad premise past me and say that because condos are the last affordable property in growing and popular cities, do you suggest them? Are they good investments? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, hold on, hold on. Condos are not the last affordable property in any city, right? It's just, there's a, there's another problem here. So we talked about that a little bit. Uh, someone who was closing the first flip and they wanted to know about self-managing and hiring their own general, uh, I'm sorry, their own subcontractors, um, uh, we talked about driving for dollars. We talked about wholesaling. It was a fun one. Lots of good nuggets in here for you guys. I think you're going to love it. So listen to the whole thing from start to finish. Uh, if you have any feedback, I would love your feedback, by the way. You can always send me something at mike at juststartrealestate.com, and I'll get that back to you, and I'll answer you as soon as possible. Uh, but without any further delay, guys, I give you my latest Q&A. All right, guys, I am here. I was just uh, ca caught off guard a little bit there. By the end of that in the countdown, uh, I was reading something. Uh, all right. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here with you. I have to confess, I did something a little sneaky, a little bit devious over the last few weeks. I was actually out of the country and I did some pre-recorded stuff. So I wasn't actually live, but if you thought I was, awesome. Very good. It worked. Uh, no, but seriously, I wanted to continue to give you guys some good content, some answers to questions that you have and, and to keep that rolling. I just wasn't available to, to respond back. If you were asking questions, I apologize. Um, but uh, no, no, uh, no harm intended. Hopefully nobody's upset by that. I don't think you are. But tonight I am here live. I am in fact here back in my office. Uh, I spent the last few weeks um, doing a couple things. Uh, had a, uh, I was a part of a mission trip for the first week that I was in, I was, we were in Mexico actually, and uh, doing a mission trip, building houses for people um, in really in the jungles of Mexico and uh, super rewarding experience, really eye-opening, um, quite shocking the amount of poverty that, that I witnessed and, and that I was able to be a part of there helping build homes for families. So that was a lot of fun. So hopefully you'll forgive me for not being here that week. Um, but we were me and and the, the rest of the crew at the seven figure for flipping crew and the seven uh, figure foundation uh, were building houses, like I said, in 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 Mexico for people who are um, 
just beyond poor, honestly, just, just have nothing. And the second week I was in Mexico, we were uh, doing a mastermind, the seven figure flipping mastermind. And I got to hang out with some really cool real estate investors, talk real estate for a week, exchange uh, strategies and tactics and all these things that people are doing to be really successful in their business. And I've been doing that with that group now for uh, I think seven years. So just lots of sharing and knowledge and, and, coaching people and really helping them build the best business they can possibly build in a way that doesn't steal all of their time, right? That's the whole idea here. We don't uh, want to stop working for a, a boss or someone nine to five just so that we can create a job that instead of being eight hours a day is 12 or 15 or 18 hours a day, which is what happens a lot of times when people start a business, especially when they leave their job and they have this stress and they're just on this hamster wheel. And so we try to create businesses that don't do that to you. And so I got to be around a lot of people, um, like a couple hundred businesses, uh, who are able to go to Mexico for a week or two and their business keeps plugging along. A friend of mine actually emailed me today and he's like, Hey, uh, I want to know if you're interested in lending money. I just, when we were in Mexico for two weeks, my company bought 13 houses. So I was like, that's awesome. You weren't even there. You weren't involved. You weren't plugged in, but his team built or bought 15 houses. So uh, that's what we try to we try to do here. And every Wednesday when I come here to talk to you, that's what I'm trying to do is give you some of that information that I gather from all these other investors and from my own business and try to help you do the same thing by answering your questions and trying to give you that knowledge. Um, also, if you want to work with me, guys, you can go uh, and find what I have going on. And I do have a program that's set up just for you. It's set up to help you build, grow, and scale a real estate business and to take yourself out of it at some point and have a business that produces high six and seven figure results without you having to run around like crazy and kill yourself and create a lifestyle that you want, live financially free, live with a, a time freedom that maybe you don't have right now. And you can find out more about it by going to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. It's right down there on the bottom of the screen. If you're watching this, go check it out. The program is starting soon. It's starting next week. So you only have a couple of days. Um, and as you're listening to this, perhaps it's already started. Now that I'm saying it, this might air. Uh, if you're not listening live, I should say, if you're listening to this on replay, it's probably too late. So if you're listening live, you have the last opportunity to get into the program. Go do that now. Go sign up. Uh, it's going to be a while before we offer another one. And I want to help you guys out. I want There's still time this year. There's things when I was in Mexico talking and, and networking and masterminding with all these great investors, um, I was telling them there's things that I, I personally wanted to do in my business at the beginning of the year. And I think I'm a little behind. I'm not on schedule to get it done like I wanted to do. And rather than move the date of when I want to accomplish this, I just have to move my butt. I have to like get in gear and get doing it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. So don't give yourself, you know, give yourself a little bit of grace if you don't hit all your goals, but don't give yourself excuses to not get things done just because you just didn't put in the work to do it. Put in the work, get it done. I want to help you do that. There's still time. There's still a lot of months left in this year. It's not a lost cause. We can get it done. We can get you there. You've got to sign up. You've got to ask for help. I will help you. I'm there for you. So go check it out, sevenfigureinvestor.com, and uh, we will do that. All right, let's dive into uh, today's question. <clears throat> 
All right, so today's questions. We have a lot of questions. I've been gone for two weeks. I haven't been able to answer new questions. So uh, we have some stuff for you. Okay, first one. Uh, I've been thinking about investing in condos because they are the last affordable properties in growing and popular cities. Do you have any insight? Good for renting out, good for appreciation. Okay, uh, I'm going to start not necessarily by answering the question, but challenging the premise. Um, uh, because this person says they want to invest in condos because they are the last affordable properties in growing and popular cities. That's not true. It's just not true because I just spent two weeks with um, some really great investors. Like I said, 200 businesses were at this event, which means there were more than 200 people because some people were partners, some people were husband and wife, some people had a team. So there's a lot of people at this event and not one of them not one of them. And by the way, they're all over the country. These people are all over the country. They're in the hottest markets and they're in secondary markets. They're all over the place. Right? I have people in San Diego, people all over Texas, all over Tennessee, all over Florida, like New York, everywhere. And not one person said, there are no affordable properties in my city. Nobody said that <clears throat> because it's not true. And so I will answer the part of the question where you're asking me if if condos can be good for an investment property. Are they good for renting out? Are they good for appreciation? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. They're, they're great to buy and rent. They can appreciate too. I mean, they're actually really easy to comp because most condos, if, especially if they're in a, a condo complex, um, you have great one-to-one -one comps all around you. So once one sells, you kind of know what yours is worth. So yeah, I think condos are great. Condos are a great investment vehicle, but they are not, guys, listen to me. They are not the last affordable uh, type of property in any city. You can find good deals in any city. People, it, the fact that house prices are going up, condo prices go up too, right? You ask me if, they're, if they appreciate, of course they do. They're going to go up in price, just like houses are going to go up in price. But here's the deal. Whether house prices are up here at the peak where maybe you feel like they are now or they're down here at the lowest when you know everything crashed in like 2008, 2009, 2010, regardless of where the market is, the reason why people sell houses to people like us, real estate investors, is because they're motivated to sell by something. And there's a number of things. There's just dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of reasons why people will sell to us at a discount. Some of those things are death, divorce, job loss, job transfer, deferred maintenance, um, somebody's widowed and they don't have the ability to take care of a big house. They just want to downsize. Their kids are grown and moved out. Um, they need money fast. Like there's a lot of reasons why people sell. And the reason they sell has nothing to do with the prices of houses in the market. It has nothing to do with it. It's conditions. It's conditions in people's lives. And guess what? When the market's been going up over the last three or four years, and, and, and most specifically in the last two years, it's been going up like crazy. But because house prices doesn't go, go up, because they go up, it doesn't mean people aren't getting divorced. There aren't people who are passing away. There aren't people who are losing jobs or having jobs transferred. All those things don't care what the market is doing, right? It, it, they're disconnected. One has nothing to do with the other. And so <clears throat> there are absolutely houses out there, guys. There are absolutely houses that you can buy at the right price to make money you just have to get better at sales and marketing. Sales and marketing is your problem. It's not the housing market, okay? It's just not. I just told you about a friend of mine. 
He was gone for two weeks. He wasn't even there to run his company and his team bought 13 houses. Okay, it's not it's not a lack of inventory. It, even if the inventory is low, it's not a lack of opportunity. It's, it's a sales and marketing problem that you're having. And so you're defaulting to condos because you think maybe this is like low-hanging fruit. It's easy. Um, or in this case, this person happens to think it's the last affordable thing to buy. It's not. It's not. You need to focus on sales and marketing. Make more offers. Figure out how you can find more leads, right? That's that's the problem you're having right now. Okay, that's it for that question. Um, and every once in a while, we got to kind of reset our mind frame and our mindset a little bit. I, I do it. I have the same problem sometimes. I'm thinking in the wrong way. That person was thinking in the wrong way. It's just simply not true what they're saying. Okay, next question. Um, closing on my first flip property, which was a hoarder house and will need a lot of work. I want to hire a GC. A GC is a general contractor. But my partner wants to sell... I'm sorry, but my partner wants to self-manage and work directly with the subcontractor's thoughts. <clears throat> both strategies are 100% legit. They're both valid. They both work. They both make sense. The question is, there's a lot of questions, but probably the, the couple of few that come to my mind that are the most important is, does your partner have experience with construction, renovation, working with contractors? Does he have that skill set? That's number one. If your partner has never, um, you, it's your first flip property, okay? But uh, is it your partner's first flip property? If it's your partner's first also, and he doesn't have any prior experience before you, it's probably a bad idea. It, now, let me rephrase that. It's a bad idea. I wouldn't do it. Do not self-manage the renovation if you've never done it, if you've never flipped, if you've never renovated, you've never been a part of that. Do not self-manage. I think it's a, it's a mistake. There's a hundred things that will probably go wrong if you do that. The other side of it is, not only do they have the experience, do they have the bandwidth? Do they have the time, right? If you guys are maybe starting a company, it's your first flip, you're, you got a lot going on, perhaps you both have full-time jobs, does he or she have the bandwidth to really pay attention and really be in there making sure things are getting done the way they're supposed to? The answer is no. If the answer is no, then it's no. That's It's a bad idea, right? So that's two reasons why it would be a bad idea. No experience, no time. Bad idea. Now, if you flip that over and you say, no, no, my partner actually does have a lot of time. He works full-time in the business and he used to be a general contractor or he's worked in the trades or he has flipped a bunch of houses. He's been through this process many times. He gets what has to happen. He understands the pitfalls. He knows of all the potential problems. Then, then it can be fine. It can be good when you don't, you know, a GC usually makes the project cost more in the end because they're paying all the subcontractors and then they're charging a fee on top of all of that, right? So if you can avoid that fee, you will get it done cheaper. The reason why I still don't think it's a good idea is because I don't know anybody who flips houses at scale. And I'm just going to assume for a minute that you're doing your first flip, you want to do more. And, and I'm going to assume, because I don't have any better information, I'm going to assume that you want to scale your business up and grow your business. I don't know any house flipper who is running a house flipping business at scale, right? And we'll just call at scale more than 25 houses a year, okay? So they're doing two a month, one or two a month. 
I don't know anybody who's doing that that self-manages the, the renovation because as the owner, as one of the owners, your, your highest and best use of time is not managing renovations, in my opinion. It's driving leads. It's raising money. It's making offers. It's running the company, right? You need to be looking for your next opportunity, for where the money is coming from, all those things, big picture stuff. You should not be standing in one of your renovations pointing out, you know, bad paint lines on the trim. Like that's just not the best use of an owner's time. So I think that general contractors earn their money. If they're good, they earn their money. And usually they have a crew that they've worked with. They know their strengths and weaknesses. They've they've proven to be reliable and they have this relationship. So they bring in all the generals. Not only do, this, do the, I'm sorry, they bring in all the subs. Not only do the general contractors know their subs, they also, the subs usually have worked together before. And if you think that grown men and women who come onto a job site as subcontractors always get along and they always work harmoniously with each other, you're crazy. They don't. It, it works out really horribly a lot of times. And having a general contractor that has a bunch of subcontractors that he knows and trusts and they've all worked together, it can make everything go so much faster. Subcontractors love nothing more than to blame missing timelines and budgets being blown on other subcontractors getting in the way, messing up their work, whatever, right? There's just a million things that they'll blame on each other. And a general contractor can kind of wrangle those cats and make sure that they're not using excuses and that they're not, you know, blaming each other for things that are not, you know, things that are their fault, I should say. So it can work. I know people who manage their own subs and they do it well and they're successful and it can work. It's fine. But for new investors, if your partner's new, I don't think so. I think a general contractor is better. And then if you really want to manage the subs in the future, go there all the time. Watch what's happening. Talk to your general contractor. Who's he hiring? Why is he hiring them? What does he look for when he hires a, a subcontractor? Like, Get in his head and just figure out what's going on. That's the best way to do it. But I I just don't think it's ever a good idea. It's not good when you're new. It's a bad idea to, to, to manage the subcontractors when you're new. And as you scale up, it's not the best use of your time. You should not be doing that. So if you're if you shouldn't do it in the beginning and you shouldn't do it at the end, why do it in the middle? It, it, there's just no reason for it. I always told people I flipped houses for six years, and one of my claims to fame, one of the things that I would brag about, and I still do, is I have no idea how to fix or build anything. You would never hire me to do any work in your house whatsoever. I can't do it, but I know how much it should cost. And I know how long it should take. Those are the skills of a house flipping business owner. Know how long it should take and know exactly what it should cost. That's the skills you need to develop. The skills to do it is just going to make you tempted to do it or get in there and be involved more than you should. And, you know, time is expensive in our business. And so while you may save money on the general contractor, if the, if the project takes an extra month, you've just wasted what you saved on the general contractor. So I say get in, get out, get it done, hire someone, let them wrangle the cats. You move on to the next deal and find funding. That's, that's what I would suggest for you. <clears throat> okay, next question, please. Okay, uh, next question. I have a seller's list of about a thousand properties from driving for dollars and planned and plan to send out direct mail every month. A thousand properties driving for dollars, plan to send it out every month. I got the property owners from the county website. How often do I need to scrub the list? 
Driving for dollars list. Uh, I wouldn't scrub it very often. I'm more concerned about the thousand properties. Um, if you're going to send out direct mail once a month to a thousand properties, unless you're in a really, really not competitive market, you're probably going to struggle a little bit. It's it's probably not quite enough. Driving for dollars is fantastic, and a thousand properties may be enough. But if it's me, and it really depends on your goals too, right? Do you want to flip one house this year? Do you want to flip five houses? Do you want to flip 50 houses? So it depends on how fast you want to go. If you don't have a real goal in terms of how many houses you want to flip or whatever you're going to do with them wholesale, you know, a thousand properties, it, it, you could get some deals out of that for sure. But if you're trying to build a house flipping, wholesaling uh, business or a, a large portfolio of rentals, you may need to supplement that list with another list. Okay. You didn't ask that. I'm just telling you um, it can be challenging when you only have a thousand names, especially when you're sending them out once a month. And by the way, I wouldn't send out one mail blast with a thousand names. I, if it were me, I would send out 250 a week. It's still the same amount every month, right? But I would, I would do it weekly, not monthly. Um, but you're asking how you didn't really ask me what I just told you, but I'm just trying to help with that part of it. Um, how often do you need to scrub the list? I think a, a house, you know, you're basically looking at distressed houses when you're talking about driving for dollars. I would probably mail that list. I'd mail it for a year, probably. Um, I don't think I would only mail that for a year because every month that goes by, there's a chance that that situation has been taken care of or that they've sold it or they've lost it to foreclosure or they lost it to um, tax, you know, lien or whatever. So eventually it's probably not going to be good, but the reality is a lot of these houses sit around for months. Some of them sit around for years. So I would probably mail it for at least a year. I don't see why not, but I just wouldn't feel comfortable mailing a thousand properties and just the same thousand properties every month for a year without adding anything to that list. I would be adding, I would be supplementing the list with, um, some other niche kind of a, a mailing like, tax tax liens or pre-foreclosure or um, city ordinance violations, things like that, divorce, um, probate, inheritance, all these kind of things. I would probably add to that list a little bit. But as far as you're straight up driving for dollars, I'd probably go after it for a year. And honestly, I would direct mail it, but I would also call it, cold call it, or maybe do ringless voicemail where you leave them messages to call you back and let them know that you know, you, you're interested in their house. So I would be attacking it in multiple ways. And I would probably supplement that list with other lists so that I wasn't just kind of mailing one list that's getting less and less effective every month until it's not effective anymore. Um, I just wouldn't feel comfortable with that volume. So <clears throat> that's, that's what I would suggest there. Okay, not sure how many more we have here. But let's see. Um, Next question, for wholesaling properties, what are the most effective ways to find motivated sellers, interest, uh, motivated sellers and interested investors, et cetera? Okay, can you give me some insight into your process? Um, yeah, so the way, that we, uh, the way that we find motivated sellers, now that's a, kind of a loaded question because there's so many ways. Like this, I could talk, I, I have talked, I have given presentations for over an hour on how to find motivated sellers. And I, you know, I probably could have gone two or three hours easily. There's a lot to be said here, but let me give you some highlights. For me in the last six years, and I'll be honest, the last six or seven years, I've done the bulk, I, you know, 80% of the deals that I've done in my life have been done in the last six or seven years. 
um, I spent the first five or six years kind of learning and making mistakes and avoiding asking for help. And, you know, so it took a long time to get any traction. But once I did ask for help and paid for mentorship and paid for coaching, that's when everything exploded. And so over that time, last six or seven years, the vast majority, and I will say it's 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 changing, the number's changing, but if I had to take a stab, I would say probably 70%, maybe 75% of my deals that I've done over the last six or seven years, and we're talking about like between six and 700 deals, um, came through direct mail, postcards specifically. That's where I got the vast majority of my deals. And I think uh, postcards and um, letters are still an incredibly, incredibly effective method for finding motivated sellers. It just is. Um, we pull lists from uh, a company called List Source, and we pull equity list primarily, but you can pull niche lists, you can pull pre foreclosures, things like that. Uh, but we pull mostly equity list, meaning we're mailing people who have at least half of their house paid off. So they have at least 50% equity or more. Um, we're mailing them and we're getting deals that way. That's how we've gotten the majority of our deals over the last six, seven years. Recently, we have started getting more deals from something called pay-per-click or that's also called Google AdWords. So when you type in, let's just say you live in Austin, Texas, and you type in, somebody types in Google, sell my house fast in Austin, Texas. If you are using Google AdWords or pay-per-click, as it's known, if you're using that strategy and you're able to spend enough money to get high enough on the list, if you notice, if you type in something like sell my house fast in Austin, the first maybe three to five things that come up on Google are paid ads. They're people who have paid to be there. They paid to be on top of the Google search when you type in the keyword sell my or the keywords sell my house fast in Austin, Texas. So that has that has grown to be our best source of deals as of the last 18 months. We're probably doing a lot more pay-per-click deals than we're doing direct mail. So those two avenues, I think, are solid. They're going to be solid for a long time. Uh, if I had only one or two shots to take at this thing and I had to find deals, I would be using direct mail and or um, pay-per-click ads. Some of the other stuff that works really, really well is driving for dollars. We talked about that earlier. I have a friend of mine named Vaughn who runs his entire business very, very successful, financially successful company. He runs it all on driving for dollars. So that's a really great way to find deals. It's definitely uh, less expensive than Google AdWords, for example, and even direct mail. It's really, really inexpensive. You just find an army of you know, what they call bird dogs or people who will go out there and drive around and look for these houses that are in distress. They'll take notes, they'll take a picture, they'll send it to you. You can mail these people and you can run a whole business off of that. Um, so driving for knowledge is great. Another great way to find motivated sellers is through cold calling. Pulling a list, like maybe maybe that um, driving for knowledge list we talked about earlier or 
uh, if you buy a list from like list source and you skip trace it because list source will give you names and addresses they don't give you phone numbers so you have to skip trace if you skip trace those numbers um you can get their phone numbers and then you can cold call them so that's another great way call i know people who run their entire business off of cold calling all they do is cold call all day long and they have a small team of people who do that for them and they find deals all day long and that's how they run their business another way to do it another way that people use is text blasting getting those phone numbers and instead of calling them sending them a text now obviously all of these marketing strategies can be combined and mixed and matched so you can say well i want to do direct mail and text blasting great you can do that right send out the direct mail send that same list a text blast or i want to do direct mail and cold calling good direct mail get the phone numbers and cold call them or maybe you want to cold call and do texting Great, right? You can mix and match any of these, right? So you don't have to pick one. You can pick more than one if your budget allows. And, and they're, they're various um, costs, right? Pay-per-click is probably on top of, as far as cost. It's it's the most expensive, almost almost for sure. It's going to be the most expensive. Um, probably the next thing down would be direct mail. It would be the next most expensive. And then you kind of go from there. And like cold calling, it's not expensive <clears throat> unless you hire a team of you know 30 people to make calls for you and then it's expensive because you're paying 30 people to make calls so some of it depends on how, how the volume and how aggressive you're being but those are those are probably the best way to find motivated sellers that i've heard of in the last six seven years um as far as finding interested investors I think the best ways are to go to your local RIAs and meetups and conferences and shake hands and exchange business cards and get these people on your list if they're interested in buying real estate. The other thing you can do is you can um, use a, a, a company like ListSource. And instead of pulling a list of motivated sellers, you pull a list of uh, individuals who have, and I say individuals, you're really pulling a list of LLCs that have purchased a property let's just say in the last year and they don't live there so it's not owner occupied and they didn't use a mortgage they paid cash so if you have an llc that pays cash and they don't live there that's an investment property they, they bought an investment property and those people are investors and so i would download that list and i would either mail or skip trace it and call them and try to get them on your list. Send them information about you, call them, talk to them about yourself. That's a great way to build a buyer's list so that you have interested buyers. When you find properties, you know, a buyer's list is everything for a wholesaler because you can find interested properties all day long or interested sellers and, and buy properties at a discount price. But if you don't have anybody who wants to buy those at the end of the day, or the people who want to buy them, you only know one or two people, and they can sort of set the price because you don't have any competition for them, that's bad. So you want to build that buyer's list. That is huge, huge, huge. Um, yeah, driving for So Corey says driving for dollars is how his partner and mentor does it, and it seems to work out. Absolutely. Driving for dollars is a great, great way to drive leads and ultimately run your business because it's very scalable. And it's very, very inexpensive. It's super cost effective and it can be phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So thanks, Corey. I agree with you. It is a great way to build a business and uh, you just have to, it's like anything else, right? It's a business. So you have to treat it as such. You have to bring people in. You have to train them properly. You have to set expectations. You have to make sure they're incentivized properly. Make sure whatever you promise them on the front end, you're delivering on the back end, right? You can't burn people. You don't ever want to run your business in a transactional way. And by transactional, I mean, think of them as a one-time transaction. Oh, 
You know, Corey brought me a deal. And so I'm going to pay him or maybe I'm not going to pay him. He brought me a deal and I'm going to like, I'm going to change the deal on him. I'm not going to pay him what I said, right? It's like, well, who cares? He brought me the deal. Yeah, but Corey could have brought you 50 deals, 100 deals, 1,000 deals over time. You can't treat this transactionally. Somebody comes in, you set the expectation, you you set what they expect to be paid and how they expect to be compensated. You must meet or exceed that. You have to deliver or over-deliver. And by the way, over-delivering is not out of bounds. It's not a bad thing. Over-delivering is what you should always shoot for. You should always try to over-deliver. And so if you have this, this army of of bird dogs going out there and and doing driving for dollars for you and driving leads, you better treat them right. You better treat them like, you know, they are the people who are the kind of the engine behind your business. And if you lose the engine, the car's not going anywhere. And so set the expectation, make sure they understand how they're going to be compensated. And if you can, if you want to, if it makes sense, over deliver on that so that they're just dying to come back and work with you again. All right, guys, uh, if there's no other questions, and I don't think there is, let me double, double, double check. I don't think there's any questions. We are done for the night. I'm just checking here. Yep, that's it. All right, guys, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I will be back with you again live next week. And by the way, this is no longer called my Facebook Live because I am on YouTube. You can go check me out, Mike Simmons on YouTube. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on uh I'm not on Instagram now, but I will be on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm definitely still on Facebook. So you can find me all those places. It's not just Facebook anymore. So log in wherever you feel comfortable and let's crank this up. I would love to have more people on here. Let's talk real estate. Let's get some questions answered. Let's help you build your business, escape the rat race and build a business that lasts and changes your life forever. It can be done. You just have to ask. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.